0: Mr. Grinch! Girl. What do you want? Mr. Grinch, I came to invite you to be holiday cheermeister. Uh holiday hoobie waddy. Cheermeister. Huh? Cheermeister. Celebrate with friends. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Well, Welcome again to Hope. Good morning. My name is Eli. I'm the discipleship minister here at our Ankeny campus. And one of the things I love the most about Lutheran Church of Hope, about our church, is that we are an invitational church. That's just part of our culture. It's part of our DNA. It's our mission statement to reach out. Uh, We want to, you know, it seems like every day that I'm here working behind the scenes with our staff or our volunteer teams, we're trying to think of new and creative ways to uh, open the front doors of our church wider and wider so that more and more people can experience what God is doing, and not just through our church, but in this community, in this area, what he's doing around the world. I think of our Advent Missions Project over in the Philippines, all of our missions trips, That's just our culture. It's our DNA to be invitational. Uh, And I love that. Uh, The clip we watched from uh, the Jim Carrey version of the Grinch has Cindy Lou Who climbing up Mount Crumpet to invite the Grinch to be a part of Whoville's holiday celebrations. And um, she she seems to be the only person in their community who views the Grinch as a sympathetic figure, somebody who's probably lonely, who doesn't have any friends, who could really use an invitation. And so she climbs all the way to the top of the mountain to invite him. And uh, the narrator describes her as that brave little Cindy Lou Who. And I love that because it, it, it does require some bravery, some courage to invite other people, to, to knock on a door, to, to talk to the person who has the locker next to you at school or at the gym or the office down the hall. It requires a little bit of courage to, to, to extend that invitation. And, um, and even for me, I've done a lot of invitations in my lifetime, but I still get butterflies. Um, this last week, my, uh, my family and I, we decided we were going to bake some cookies for Christmas and uh, we were going to take out these... Uh, invitations that we've got to our Christmas Eve services. We've got a ton of these postcards around the building, and we put them together in little bags, and my family and I just walked around our apartment building knocking on doors, saying Merry Christmas, and inviting them to come to Christmas Eve here at Hope. And, and I still got some butterflies. I still get nervous when I do that, and that's why I take my five-year-old daughter with me, because she'll, she knocks on their door for no reason. Any, any time of the day, she'll just knock on some random doors. And so especially if it's, hey, we've got cookies that we're going to give away, She got to eat some, and then she was excited to to share those with our neighbors. And, And it does. It requires bravery. But I think that tells me that I don't think we are born with a fear of inviting other people to be a part of what God is doing in our lives. I think we actually learn that fear, and we lose some of that courage the older we get. I think God actually made us to be invitational people because that's who God is. We're created in God's image, and we're inviters because we believe we follow a God who is invitational. That God is constantly reaching out to us, inviting us and the people around us to be a part of what he is doing in the world, and we get to partner with him, inviting other people. Especially around the Christmas season, the events around Jesus' birth show us the character of a God who invites, who invites people to, to see what he is doing, to come and see what he's all about. The scripture we read from Luke chapter 1, if you've got your Bibles, you can open there. In Luke 1, the angel appears to to Mary and describes how she is going to conceive and bear God's own son. In verse 30, you will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And he describes how this is going to happen, this miraculous virgin birth that we, uh, we actually just recited from the Apostles' Creed that we believe in. And a lot of times we think of this as kind of a one-sided conversation, that God is just telling Mary through this angel what he's going to do to her. But then in, in verse 30, we actually get to read about Mary's response. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. God actually invited Mary into this experience and gave her the ability to say yes to his invitation, to say yes to what God wanted to do in her life. And I wonder for each of us what God might be inviting us into, not forcing us into. God isn't a God who forces his way into our lives or anybody's life. He simply invites us to come along with what he's doing if more of us would say yes to God's invitation for us, whatever that looks like for you. When when the shepherds heard about from the angels, when the angels appeared to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2 about, the, about Jesus who was born that very day, they were inviting the shepherds to come and check out what God was up to. And they said, don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will be great joy to all people, the Savior. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in the manger. But then the, the angels returned to heaven It said, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds then decided to go, and they said, yes, let's go and see what we were invited to check out. They didn't have to. They weren't forced into it. Last week, if you were here, Pastor Scott talked about, uh, it was funny, we didn't collaborate on this at all. He preached about last week inviting Scrooges to Christmas, uh, and I'm preaching about inviting Grinches. You'll never meet someone that mean, by the way, if you knock on a stranger's door. I've never had that happen. Uh, Usually, people just don't answer if they don't want to talk to you. Um, But... Last week, if you were here, Pastor Scott talked about that, uh, the phrase that Charles Dickens used constantly in the, uh, the Christmas carol that he wrote, that, that they are much obliged to do something for other people. Not obligated, not guilted into it, but out of the abundance that they felt, they then felt obliged to tell other people. And that's what happened to the shepherds. They responded to God's invitation, and they went and they found Jesus. And then it says in verse 17, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone, what had happened and what the angel had said about the child, that they were so filled up with what they had seen God do, they couldn't help but share it with other people. That's the nature of our culture of invitation at Hope, that we feel like we are so abundantly blessed by what we experience as a family, as a community here, that we can't help but share it with other people and invite them to come into this same experience. When Jesus was calling his original 12 disciples, he, he, he expressed this same attitude. The, the original disciples found Jesus and they said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Where can we find you? How can we get to know you? And Jesus said, come and see. Come and check me out. Come along with me and I'll take you there. And they followed him. And that's the approach that we have, a come and see approach to what God is doing in our midst. Now, one of the ways that we do that as a church, a big part of our culture of invitation is actually through music. It'd be really hard for you to go to any uh, service or gathering or event at Hope where music isn't a a key factor in what we're doing. And a lot of people wonder, well, why is there always music around what we do at Hope? And we believe uh, in a couple of things about that, actually. One of the reasons we use music in church is because uh, scientifically we know that the brain actually interacts with music in a way that ordinary speech just doesn't quite reach. Uh, that if all of you were plugged into one of those machines that they track brain activity and on a computer screen you can see different parts of the brain light up to different stimulus. If if you were, one part of your brain would be lighting up right now because I'm talking, but if I just started singing, I'm not going to do that, if I just started singing these normal words like a sentence, a different part of your brain would light up. Music touches you in a different way than speech does. And God made us to, to interact with music in a special way. But the other reason we do it is because Music is a huge part of tradition here in the church, and, and one of the things, one of our core values at Hope is that we worship God and not tradition, that what God wants from us is far more important than any of the traditions we might have as a church, no matter how old they are, but music, it turns out, is as old as the first Christmas itself, that when Mary was told about her, the part that she would play in God's story of, of Jesus coming to earth, she broke out into a great song of thanksgiving. How blessed she felt that God would even notice her, and now all the generations from then on would consider her blessed. And the angels, when they shared their invitation to the shepherds, they erupted into a great song, glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. That music is actually God's tradition that God has made music for us and for us to interact with it. And so we we press into that because it's a beautiful part of our culture and, and the ways that we express and experience God. And that's why in a minute the choir is actually going to come out for a unique service, a cantata piece that they've been working on for months to continue preaching to us this story of Christmas through song. And this was something that Martin Luther actually picked up on when, when he began uh, Protestant worship services. So 500 years ago during the Reformation, Martin Luther starts having worship services different than Catholic Mass. That was the only way that they worshipped at the time. But after the Reformation, they began having Protestant Lutheran worship services. And, and they had to kind of invent a new way of doing church together. And Luther decided that music was going to be really important to their, their early movement. And Martin Luther actually wrote over 40 hymns in his lifetime, and instead of putting new music to those hymns, he actually just took music that was familiar to the culture, folk songs or songs that they would sing in the taverns and bars around Germany, and he put that familiar music to new lyrics that he wrote about the story of Jesus and who God is and what he can do for your life, and a part of that was just inviting people in. If people heard familiar music that they knew, but they could experience new lyrics with those tunes, That was something that Luther felt would invite more people to come and see what God is all about. Uh, I'm going to read to you the lyrics of of one of the Christmas carols that Martin Luther actually wrote. We don't really sing it that often. I think we should, though. Uh, The lyrics are beautiful, and as I'm reading this, I'm going to invite the choir to come on stage, and they're going to continue our service together. So this is Martin Luther's Christmas carol, To Shepherds As They Watched By Night. To shepherds as they watched by night appeared a host of angels bright, Behold the tender babe, they said, in yonder lowly manger laid. At Bethlehem in David's town, as Micah did of old make known, 'Tis Jesus Christ, your Lord and King, who doth to all salvation bring. Oh, then rejoice that through his Son, God is with sinners, now at one, made like yourselves of flesh and blood. Your brother is the eternal God. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, come to earth. And we celebrate you and uh, the love that you have for us, that you would send your only son into our world to sacrifice himself for us so that we could be in a relationship with you forever. And I pray, God, this morning as we experience the miracle of a relationship with you, the eternal God, that that would so fill us up we couldn't help but share with everyone we meet going out of this place that miracle and the joy that we feel from having been invited into your story. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.